Clemson cannot stop the clock. Victory formation again with 16 seconds to go. And Dungy takes one more knee. The Orange pour out onto the field. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange lead the entire game and hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson, winners of 11 in a row. The final score is the Cuse 27, Clemson 24. Syracuse University football fans are still basking in the glow from that amazing win over number two Clemson. The man on the call for that game on the Syracuse IMG Sports Network and every Syracuse football and basketball game is Matt Park. Matt joined me on the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week to discuss that amazing win over Clemson to give us an early preview of Syracuse basketball. But we also spent a lot of time with the Chittenango native and Syracuse University grad on the art of play-by-play, how he prepares for broadcasts and goes about doing his job at the mic before every Syracuse football and basketball game. Matt Park's here, the voice of the Orange, and that's what I wanted to start with, Matt. Is that what you wanted to be? You know, growing up in <laughs> Chittenango, New York, later going to Syracuse University, did that become the ultimate goal at some point, or was it yeah. just, I want to work in sports? <laughs> I wanted to be the shortstop for the Yankees. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, realized pretty uh, early and pretty harshly that that wasn't going to happen, but uh, yeah, I mean, as far as going out in the world as a sportscaster, I think that for me was... Um, probably the best job I ever realistically saw myself having you know that it seemed like a relatively attainable goal and a fun way to uh, go to work every day and pay the bills and that's kind of the way it's worked out you a hairbrush guy you hear all these stories about when kids are little they grab the hairbrush (laughs) or something they turn the sound down somewhere and and pretend to be a broadcaster yeah I don't know if I I don't know if I had the props but I I did uh, you know my older cousins uh, football games and baseball games or whatever and then uh, as I was playing, I was probably more interested in the chatter and you know than figuring out why I couldn't hit a curveball. But uh, so I was always really into that. I read everything. I you know uh, always made my high school projects into sports whenever possible. I think you know when you first started learning geography in fifth grade, I think the poster board I made was on the the relocation of major league baseball teams <laughs> over time, you know, and, and stuff like that. So. Uh, so it's always been uh, what I've been into. And then when as I grew up playing sports, it kind of got uh, a little more access, a little more uh, into it, and, and uh, the rest is history. So you mentioned doing some of those those games that you, that you were a part of. Do you remember what your first official play-by-play <laughs> game was? Um, that's a good question. I My first time kind of being on the radio live was uh, – of course, I grew up in Chenango, and, and just down the road is uh, Oneida, and there's a small radio station, Oneida WMCR, which I think you're probably familiar with. And they did Certainly. all the high school games and stuff, and they did our games. I, so they would, I would maybe work with them a little bit. I got started working with them in the football season, where I'd maybe like keep stats, and then I'd go on the air at halftime, and they you know, Axe had uh, 87 yards rushing, and you know, checking my numbers and all that, and then. Uh, of course, in the spring, I played baseball, and so the guys I maybe worked with and knew they would be broadcasting the games I was playing in, so that was kind of fun. And then if I wasn't playing in one, I would go uh, broadcast a, a game for neighboring uh, teams or, or whatever. And Yeah, I mean, just in, in college, I don't know, Canastota, Holland Patton or something like that, uh, high school football, and, and uh, then you kind of try to add on to it from there. Do you know when you had the bug to say, like, 
I want to pursue this as a career. And certainly when you go to Syracuse University at, at Newhouse, like, you know, that's the yeah. path a lot of broadcasters figure out. A lot of kids are in high school like you. They're working at a student radio station or someplace like that, and they kind of figure out, wait, there's a path for this that we can go down. Do you remember that moment? Uh, I don't know remembering. Um, I, I think maybe it's, it's probably more pertinent when you realize you could make it a career, you know, that – you had the chance to actually maybe do it. I think when you're a kid, you're like, wow, wouldn't it be fun to do the way you get paid to go to the games? And uh, that's how, because I, I mean, I did all kinds of stuff just, just for fun as a kid. I mean, I can remember keeping my own box scores at, at like the, it just, for some reason it flashes back to like the 1986, probably world sum 11. So like the ALCS and world series, I can remember taking the box scores of each game and totaling up the stats and stuff by hand, stuff that kids don't do now because there's, there's no need to do it. And it, you know, that's the ter- sort of thing that maybe sparks my curiosity or, you know, get you thinking about, um, the next thing. And, and, uh, I was fortunate that the school that is the best for what I want to do for a living is in my backyard. And, and my father and grandmother both went there. So I was a, a third generation, uh, Newhouse, not Newhouse, but uh, Syracuse University uh, student, and and from there, WAER is really the spark that I think gets a lot of us uh, going. And you hope you make the right kind of contacts and, and do good enough work along the way to to get a break. And uh, fortunately, that's the way it's worked out. As you go and you, you go to a place like Syracuse, and you have all these resources available to you, I would imagine the the influences on you are, are vast. But can you remember? you know two or three names that you really honed yeah. in on that you studied that were the biggest influences on you professionally yeah well the probably the biggest is a guy who never gets talked about with enough uh credit in my mind and people in central new york would know his name and remember him fondly it's dan Hort. so dan was uh the sports director of channel 5 wtbh here in town he did not follow Mike Tirico directly, but he's in that group and sort of, you know, it's well chronicled. He and Mike and Sean McDonough and all of them are, are at WAR and NSU at the same time. Dan worked at WSYR uh, for a good period of time as well. And I came in as a um, just an intern. I'd come in on Sundays and get in at like noon and uh, roll on every uh, football game there was and log, you know, two, three games at a time, you know, at, uh, at, 118 uh the you know the bills scored a touchdown kelly to you know uh, kelly to read and this is this is the video and the second replay is really good and you know and uh and on and on it would be and it would leave at midnight for zero you know and uh and i never saw myself in that role really as the 6 and 11 news guy but it was a great opportunity to learn how it all came together how the show went together Great opportunity of access to Dan, who's uh, still to this day one of the best people and most creative uh, sports journalists I've ever been around. He, he's incredible, and he's gone on to, to great things and is the voice of the University of Cincinnati and the Cincinnati Bengals. But um, and with that, you know, you get in, you get to see the games, and uh, you know, for, I went out to the Chiefs games, and I would keep his scorecard for the first couple innings till he showed up after doing the six o'clock show. Uh, and being out at MacArthur Stadium and having a reason to be there professionally, you know, every night as opposed to just kind of ducking in as a fan. And so uh, Dan's been very good to me, and all those guys have, Sean and Mike and Ian Eagle and um, 
all the real A-list names that you know and then all the secondary guys that you don't know. That's the real fabric of how this works, that everybody feels compelled to help the, the person uh, behind them and, and to give back. And so um, I'm grateful to all those guys that helped my generation and, and hope that uh, we're doing well for the, the ones behind us. It's interesting. From a young age, you've really noted you know, process and details and, and getting in there. So that's all got to come full circle now to when you prepare a broadcast. So this is kind of that standard question for play-by-play guys, but what is that process for you? We're in the middle of football season now. Basketball is approaching. I would imagine things change when we get there. But as we stand here in football season, what's kind of your day-to-day process as you get ready for Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's funny because there's no two days that are alike, although the football season does, when the games are all on Saturdays, it does tend to follow, as you know, a flow that this is what you do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever. And, and for me... That's always been something I'm very into. I, I like the routine. That being said, I think every day is different for, for one reason or another. I'm meticulous about my preparation and the, the way I, I go about doing it in a certain order. And, and I don't have the time anymore to spend and pour over data the way I wish I could. Sometimes, like in this week, it's a road game. The, the time spent on the plane flying to Miami might be the only time that I actually get to sit for two and three hours and, and read. Um, I, I wish I took more time, but the, the more you take on with this radio show and some other stuff and just flying around, um, I don't really get the marination time that I would would uh, like to have. But, uh, you know, I actually had it. I thought we were going to talk football today, so I kind of had my, my notes in here, but I'm very – OCD about the how stuff is laid out and color coded. It. It's got charts all color coded to and, the detail, uh, but you need to do that when you got to find something yeah. quickly during a football game. It's all got to be laid out and organized for you. So. Yeah, and the way we talk about it with students is, you know, the the presentation I make is is look that you know Eric Dungey's career passing high is on page uh, one eighteen of the media guide, but when it occurs, you don't have time to go find that. Uh, some stuff you do and some some you don't. You, you need to be uh, kind of ready to, to roll. That's the basic premise behind uh, what we're doing and you, you hope that when it comes out on the air, and, and one of the reasons we love sports obviously you're in the same boat, but in live play-by-play, the game can go in any different direction and that's the really enjoyable part of it. You prepare and then you know 20% of it is what makes the air Don't probably. you find though that when you do this you're always preparing like when we can't watch games yeah. the same way like when you're watching a game inevitably you start critiquing the play-by-play person or you start thinking how would I be doing this game or you know somebody with a radio experience like me inevitably yeah. you know I'll watch a game and the thought will be okay am I going to talk about this on the radio and then if the answer to that question is yes you say how so it's funny when people ask those questions how you prepare because it seems like we always. Yeah, you're always are, doing you're it. Always in that well, it's process. funny because um, you get equal. At least I do. You get equal parts when you're just making small talk. You're somebody. You run into somebody at the grocery store. Equal parts say, "Hey, so what do you do when it's not the game, right?" And then the other people say, "Gee, I have no idea how you know the names and numbers so fast." Well, those two ought to talk to one another because that's how <laughs> you know that's how it works. You spend your time uh, getting ready for that, but. Um, absolutely. I mean, when you enter, and, and I can remember people, and I know people, and I'm sure you do too, Brent, uh, that maybe don't want to work in sports because y- you you love it in a different way. I, I refer to it as, you know, we all love sausage, but do you want to see the sausage being made? And in sports, I don't have the firm, even as you, you have a fan affinities and everybody knows what they are. You know, I don't really. I mean, I want Syracuse to, to, to win and, 
and all that. But in my pro sports and stuff, I know people affiliated with all a lot of teams, and I want them to succeed and to do well. And I I know what it's like to be not what it's like to be, but I know people that are real general managers, and that, that, so I don't I don't really enjoy fantasy football and, and and that kind of thing because you you get to know the the people that are in, involved in, in some of the the real deal circumstances. So it, I don't put my jersey on on Sunday morning and you know go team uh, kind of thing. So you do lose that a little bit, but I love going to all kinds of games as as uh, just a fan observer to to eat and sit in the sun and and uh, watch the game. That's the good part about it, and the process is there, but. You you know, much like the players on the field, broadcasters can have bad days. Do you remember the toughest broadcast that you had to get through one way or the other? Uh, probably nothing like that that's like one acute thing. I mean, maybe there is, and I'm whiffing on it right now. But when you do minor league baseball and you've got a game every single day, and from a, on a personal level, you know, there were many times where I'm walking into the press box in Huntsville, Alabama on a Tuesday in May going, how, how am I getting closer to the major leagues doing this? Because this feels like this is snoozers and I'm not really enjoying this. And the one of the tasks is you got to bring energy and enthusiasm with it every day. If you And we all have good days and bad, but if you don't want to be there, the listener doesn't want to listen. And, and for them, that might be the only time they're in the car to check it out or it's the day they're coming to the game. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. I think not to make it sound like we're uh, breaking bro- uh, blocks or digging ditches or any of that. To the extent that this is work, it's that you have to be on, you know, and um, you can't just sort of, hey, I don't, I'm not feeling it today. I'm going through the motions. That's not going to work out very well. And uh, in baseball in particular, there's a game literally every day. And, uh, you know, doing what we're doing, there's something every day, but you build it up to, to the weekends. That's where I think that process comes into play because even if you're not feeling it if you've done the work and you've prepped and you feel ready there's just something when that game starts that just kind of flows through you and you know it's it's a weird thing you can feel awful right to the moment a game starts or your broadcast starts and something just tends to take over when you do it it's it's kind of a strange well it's a game day adrenaline I I still get up Saturday morning and I'm I'm ready to rock you know and uh you just get the excitement and you get hyper, like I get hypersensitive and hyper aware, you know, and I think the guys around me are probably like, hey, we probably want to keep our distance from this SOB right now, you know, um, because I, I just, I like to think I don't miss much, you know, and, and I, I might see, hey, this is going on over here. And then the third row, the popcorn vendors, th- you know, four rows up and, the, and you're kind of um, hypersensitive. So uh, that's part of the fun me. All right, now you, you brought it up. We should probably talk some football and maybe sure. a little basketball. People listening are, all right, broadcast nerds, let's, <laughs> let's get to the real stuff. One more question, though, on just general stuff before we get into some specifics here of this football team off that big win and going forward. You've mentioned baseball quite a few times here, and I, I know Matt off, off the air, if you will, a little bit. And I know you're a huge baseball fan, so am I correct to assume that if you were not the voice of the Orange, that that's what you would want to be doing, some kind of uh, yeah. professional baseball? Yeah, I would hope. I would hope by this point I would have, would be in a, a major league baseball position, but easier said than done, you know. And uh, it's funny when I took this job, a lot of my friends in baseball, oh, you're, you're giving up the hope of being in the major leagues. And I'm like, well, this is is the major leagues that I'm going to. Number one, number two, um, you're just as well positioned from here to get to a major league. You know, and I don't have the Jones for that quite the way I used to. But uh, yeah, I would. I think if, if this opportunity didn't come along, I would either be doing television, something or other here or there, games, or um, or continue on the path in baseball. 
So, Matt, this Syracuse football team beats Clemson, and this is a seismic event here. This is like Nebraska in 1984 and what Dino Babers can build on here. And there's been a process up to this point, but you need to validate it. And now he's got that opportunity. Now they certainly have to, you know, build off of this momentum and keep winning games, and they've got another great opportunity with Miami coming up here. But what can this do for this program? In, in your view. Yeah, well, you're right. And and it's only going to be validated if certain boxes are checked, you know, and it does mean you got to keep winning games this year. You can't go the rest of the year and win, you know, zero or one. It's got to be at least uh, two more games the rest of the way. I feel, I mean, maybe one at least shows some sort of progress from one year to the next, but, but two gets you to a bowl. And, uh, you know, more than that obviously makes it a, a very special season. So uh, that's a big part of it. Failing that, it's capitalizing. I shouldn't even say failing that. Setting that aside, it's failing. It's um, capitalizing on recruiting. It's getting fan support, you know, back in a significant way. You know, all the people that were in the dome on Friday, all of them need to be at the Wake Forest and Boston College games. They need to bring their friends. It's amazing to see, and maybe I'm just rounding up or sort of inventing it in my mind, but just walking through downtown, it feels like. You see people with their chest out a little bit more, or there's more sort of eye contact. It's important for Syracuse football to be good in this community, and that's even if you never have bought a ticket. You definitely notice it more when people are wearing their gear for some reason after a win. Like I go to Wegmans every Sunday morning, and yeah. they're probably still wearing it because yeah. it's. F, but you just tend to, like you said, it just it, well, it it's sparkles. something to chatter about, yeah. and they have a more positive association with what's going on, yeah. and. Now you're the one in your office that's left out if you weren't paying attention before. And so I think that's a snowballing effect, to probably use a bad phrase for this area. But uh, that's, to me, what needs to happen in order to make the market uh, boom the, the way that would be great for everybody. little nuts and bolts on Miami. What have you seen from this Hurricanes team that, you know, presents to the idea to Syracuse fans that they can keep this going and what are going to be the big challenges in this Yeah, game? I mean, obviously they've got a very good defense and, you know, we're looking to, to get more into it. Miami's played a couple of close games so far. They only won their last game, you know, basically on a miracle in the last play against a very difficult uh, Georgia Tech team. But they're 5-0. and I think they're probably getting a little rhythm now after the hurricane and getting a game postponed and another one canceled. And, and uh with Mark Richt, who's obviously a great coach, and the reason he's at Miami is that he wasn't winning 11 every year at Georgia. You know, he was winning 10 every year, and then gets gets sent on down the road. He's got it going there in terms of uh, the talent. So Syracuse is going to run into really the next two teams. Miami and Florida State are going to have more talent. Louisville probably too, but, the you know, those uh, gaps are closing a little bit o- over time here. Um and I, I think they've got to find a way to move the football against these guys. I think that'll be uh, the most difficult challenge. And taking it on the road, et cetera, and getting focused back on this week after the, the big, exciting weekend. You use the word opportunity, and it absolutely is that. Because if you win this one, well, now you've really blown the roof off. You, you don't want to go there and have a setback. you know. And, and so I think that's important. And into the bye week, uh, for everybody to get healthy for the stretch run, I think is the important thing. It's also pushed off that age-old question, when's basketball season? Because <laughs> when the football season tends to slide, people get more uh, you know, hungry for basketball. That team's practicing right now, and before you know it, that first exhibition game will be here on November 1st. And there's so many new faces on this basketball team, Matt. What, what are your early thoughts about you know, some of those new faces, and it's always intriguing to see how 
those pieces come together in what is a short period of time. Last year it was a little different because you had two veteran players that yeah. had to kind of mix in to the crew here. Now you got a whole lot of freshmen and new guys that have to kind of go out there and, and get this thing going. Yeah, it, I was at practice uh, a couple weeks ago and, and hoping to uh, to sneak back there this week to, just to see some stuff. I mean, number one, Tyus Battle's a beast. He's just so good and so much fun to watch. As you know and you've talked about, he will not sneak up on anybody. Everybody's going to make an effort to lock him down. And then outside of that, it's just a bunch of athletes that are new and fresh, and let's see what they've got. I really like watching O'Shea Brissett and the way he gets off the floor and the way he gets up and down the floor and, and some of these other guys. The um, the combinations, I think, are going to uh, take some time to figure out. That's what the first part of the season is for. Uh, I'm giving Frank Howard you know, the – sort of benefit of the doubt to say hey you know the guy was a major recruit who came here and has shown the ability to do it just not the consistency um and let's see what he's got you know he's kind of had the fire lit under him in a couple of different ways uh let's see what he can do from a leadership standpoint i think they're going to have to find scoring somewhere uh, to, to be competitive. The, the loss of Torian Thompson, in my mind, is a, a, a blow. You know, that, that there was somebody that you knew was trending up. You probably could pencil him in this year for, you know, 16-8 and eight or 14-8, and eight, something like that. And so uh, they're going to have to find a way to, to accommodate for that. You can hear Matt on the Syracuse University broadcast locally in Syracuse on TK99 or search for your Syracuse IMG affiliate. You can also hear Matt weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, which you can listen to online at ESPNSyracuse.com or search in Apple Podcasts to get the daily podcast of In the Booth. Matt, thanks for coming on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. My pleasure, Brent. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes. Look for us on Apple Podcasts to get the latest delivered right to your phone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Brent Adams. We'll talk to you next time. The action throw to the end zone on the right side. It's caught. Steve Ishmael. Touchdown, Orange.